Listen up, folks. Thanks for tuning in. This is The Living End. I'm Chris. I'm Scott. And I'm Andy. And we're going to be having a good old yarn here on TowerPod.com. Welcome to TowerPod.com. My name is Eli. With me today is Chris, Scott, and Andy from The Living End. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank Hello, you, Eli. Hello, folks. Cool. You guys established yourselves in 1994, right? Is that Around correct? then, yeah. Around yeah. then? Yeah. Me and Chris started playing together when we were in high school, which was like 91, 92 or something. But yeah, as an original band playing our own tunes, it was like 94, 95 or something. That's when we started to take, take over the world. Oh, take, take, take on the world. Yeah, that's right. Cool. I read that in uh, in '95, Green Day took you out on tour throughout Australia. Correct. Is that right? No, it was '96. '96. Yeah, February '96. Close enough. Back in the '90s, so, anyway. The tour's been credited a number of times as, as one of your early breaks. Looking back on things, how do you think that tour's affected your careers? Well, people keep talking about it, so I mean, it was a pretty big deal to. To, to, to go on the road with a band like that. Um, it affected our career immensely back then because it gave us a huge boost. You know, that was the thing that it really did. We went straight from, like, playing, you know, pubs in Melbourne and, like, private, you know, private parties and stuff and our garage to being on a national tour with a, you know, huge rock band. And we weren't even really established um, in Australia at that point at all. You know, the industry really had no idea who we were or anything, so... It kind of put us on the map very briefly, but then it was up to us to kind of, you know, come up with songs and start to try and, you know, draw a crowd and everything after that. You know, there was an initial kind of hype, but then it basically, you know, we went back to playing to pubs to no one and stuff again. You know, we had to keep building it up. But the thing was, we had that in our resume, so it was it was very very valuable tool. Cool. Uh, um, what were you guys doing before that? Before that tour, that tour you were playing, uh, well, did you have like day jobs or anything? Or? Yeah, we had day jobs and we, um, as I said, we, we kind of, um, we would do like covers gigs, like do 50s and 60s kind of classic rock and roll stuff primarily and, and do demos of our own original material and um, we played like, you know, just pubs around Melbourne and we would drive to sort of rural areas of like Victoria and stuff and do weddings and 21st we were like a hire band like a party band kind of thing you know hoping that we would be able to one day you know make a living out of our original songs but yeah we had jobs right up until the first album or just you know during the first album as well cool i heard that tour came about by you guys sending a uh a t-shirt and a cd to billy joe the the singer of green day is that is that true yeah, yeah, we sent a few though, didn't we? Because we, we originally just sent a package to their, like their kind of fan club or whatever it was, the address on the back of their, on the back of their record, and um, just with like a, a letter and a and a CD and a T-shirt and some photos and stuff, and and then you know found out about you know promoters and booking agents and all that kind of stuff, and then I think we've sent one off to the promoter as well. But yeah, Billy Joe said that. He, uh, you know, he had a whole bunch of Australian bands, um, demos and CDs and records and stuff to listen to, 
and just kind of sifted through them and, and picked us out, you know, he's driving along in his car or whatever, listening to his home all. And yeah, picked us out. He said we sat, stood out, for, you know, stand, sounded a, a, a lot different than the rest of the other kind of more, you know, punky kind of bands from back in the 90s or whatever. We kind of had something different going on, which he liked. So yeah, you know, we were, we were lucky. It's a bit of a kind of fairy tale story, but yeah, we got, we got pretty lucky with that. You guys had a, have you guys done that with any uh, any fans sending materials to you? Have you do you listen to fan CDs or yeah, we do as like much that? as we can. You know, people at gigs give them, give give their demos and stuff to us, and and people send them in, and yeah, we do as much as we can. You know, cool. Well, I saw you guys have changed the name of the band a few times over the years, just for different reasons. You toured, uh, you did some shows as a as the Longnecks. Uh, um, <clears throat> What goes into choosing a band name? Because I know a lot of people struggle over, over you know what to call themselves. Yeah, I reckon we we sort of. Uh, I mean, we were called the Runaway Boys initially when we were in high school and just after, just because we were like big Stray Cats fans, and um, wanted to have a name that you know sounded kind of tough and rockabillyish and all that sort of stuff, you know. But, and then when we wanted to have to change it to an original name to kind of remove ourselves from that in a sense you know we never wanted to be just a stray cats clone band um you know we tossed around a few names but for me it was extremely important to have a good name you know like it's just i I think there's a lot of people out there who don't think it's important but i do you know i mean i love band names like the clash and the sex pistols and you know they're just such arty great sounding names so to me, the living end just sounded like it could be any kind of band. It could be a rock band or a punk band. It could be a rockabilly band, psychabilly, whatever. And that's the thing. We always wanted to encompass lots of different styles of music. So to have a neutral kind of name. But um, I don't know about you guys, but I, I just think that the image and the name and the look of a band and everything is just as important as the music. They have to sound good too, but, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But those gigs we did, the long necks and the and the checkout chicks, and Glenn Waverley and the Mentones, that there was really not a hell of a lot of thought gone into no. those names. The long there? the long necks came from the beer we drink back home, as in um, a tall a tall beer as opposed to a, a, a stubby or whatever you guys call them over here. We have stubbies and long necks, so we called ourselves the long necks for a gig. It was just a they were like secretive kind of yeah, gigs. Secretive, yeah, yeah, secretive nude gigs where we just played new material. Nude material. <laughs> right on. Well, over the years, you guys have really had a chance to see the world. I think more than most bands that I've met, you know, coming from Australia, talking to you now in San Francisco. And I know you guys have been to, you know, Europe and Japan and whatnot. Are there any countries or shows that stick out in mind over the years that, that you think like, man, that was a great gig or that was an interesting experience? We did one, we just did a tour of the UK and Ireland and um, we, did a real, we did a gig at the Brixton Academy in, in London and it was, it was a real standout one for me. I don't know why, this just tends to happen from time to time that a gig will really stand out, that everything kind of gels together. And the Brixton's a pretty legendary place. I mean, you know, it's got a history of having some, some amazing acts play there so you know it, it is a bit of a privilege to be able to get up on that stage but um it was just one of those gigs where it felt good you know it felt really comfortable to play the reaction from the audience was you know kind of as good as ever we were supporting too so it, it was also had that 
kind of element of challenge to it as well when you're playing to someone else's crowd. If you feel like throughout the gig you're kind of winning them over more and more and more, there's a massive satisfaction in that. So yeah, that one kind of stands out to me. But as far as like traveling and going to playing in different places, I think Japan always stands out too because it's just so completely different culturally over there. That the, the gigs are, are, you know, like like nowhere else as well. There are. Uh, the Japanese are just different. They do things different. Yeah. What about you guys? Anything? Uh... Yeah, Japan's always a blast to go to. Um, yeah, we. I mean, on this this year alone, we we've been to. Um, we've done two Australian tours. We went to New Zealand, Japan, Europe, and then you know two American tours as well. So it's been a blast. We really have seen some incredible stuff, and we've we've had some really amazing shows. We've only done a couple of duds. One of them, one of them being the very last show from the last tour, which was funnily enough in San Francisco. We were only saying before it was uh, not the greatest way to <laughs> to finish a tour. Just a few, few too many beers, I think, before we went on. We were celebrating but, uh, a little early. Yeah, we were. But that's it was, right. your, it was Andy's birthday. Yeah, it was yeah, Andy's cause for celebration. I'm sure it was a fine show. Just you know, in hindsight. <laughs> But, uh, you know, tonight will be much better for all of those people who are listening who uh, went to the show. We hope you enjoyed it. (laughs) Cool. Uh, In 2003, you released Modern Artillery. What's the meaning behind uh, capitalizing the art in artillery? What was was behind that? Is there there an underlying message? It's just like trying to come up with um, clever kind of way of wording something, I suppose. Um, God, that's, I mean, that's ages ago, man. That's the last album I can <laughs> even remember. I mean, the mindset was trying to come up with something like Armed Forces by Elvis Costello and and um, Sound Effects by The Jam. Um, but, you know, it was effects with an A. And, and um, I always liked words like artillery and um, that kind of thing and mm-hmm. modern art it, you know it's our art and it's kind of a bunch of songs you know yeah. weaponry if you like <laughs> yeah. um, so I was just you know just just brainstorming and thought it sounded like a cool album title Chris wrote it down on a on a box of tissues that's right at, at the office and over days and weeks and probably months of deliberation oh, yeah. that one just still stuck out and every every time someone went to blow their nose there it was painful man because people always like read into it and analyze it i'm with zeppelin it should just be one two three four <laughs> well on the new album state of emergency is there is there an underlying message or tone in that or in the you know in the in the, in the songs in the title because state of emergency it's kind of like a it's a current topic you know the times, exactly there you go you just answered it really it's it's the times we live in yeah yeah Nothing's well, ever going to be the it's same. It's a very, again. it's a typical kind of album title, I think, for the Living End to come up with because it's kind of urgent and it's strong and it's current, it's valid and um, sounds exciting, you know. I mean, hopefully we have all those things on our album, you know, and we have like, you know, uh, songs that deal with, you know, um, current topics and all that sort of stuff, and and it was it was quite a, a difficult album to make at times and there were there were moments of of extreme kind of anxiousness and it just fit you know it was just like yeah that's again yeah. <laughs> you know it's like the band name it's just you, you just it either is or it isn't it just sounded cool and that was that well, whatever it is man i think it worked you know i think it's a, it's a great album state of emergency a lot of the reviews that i've read 
refer they, they they've they've said that it's um you know kind of back to your 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 punkabilly style that you know the punkabilly is a, a a phrase i've seen coined around your band with uh you know rockabilly and punk rock whatnot but a lot of people referred you know this is kind of back to like your uh your original sound with that punkabilly style was that an intention when you went into the studio not really no not not particularly to kind of go back to the sound because we're all, that sound because we're always trying to kind of move forward with our sound i mean there's certain elements of that of that kind of you know rockabilly crossed with with you know 70s punk or whatever there's certain element elements of that sound that we like to hang on to which is like the energy factor and the and the kind of aggression that that you know that 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 kind of music is played with but yeah, we, you know, there definitely wasn't intent, an, an intention to try and make the record sound like one of our older records. Cause well, we're, I'm not saying it sounds like the old one, but it's kind of back oh, yeah, to that, yeah. you know. But in, in the songwriting and stuff, you know, we're always trying to move forward. And if anything, like this song, this record's got a couple of like more, dare I say, kind of, no, I'm not going to say mature, I'm going to say daring sounding songs from a, from a writing point of view than any of our albums, you know, that, that, are, that are more kind of, laid back and when we're not kind of relying on massive amounts of energy and adrenaline to kind of um, carry the song off it's it's more of a like a laid back kind of playing and 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 feel so yeah it's um I, you know i think it's a, a step a step a long way forward from uh the old the old self-titled album cool well you guys were saying earlier you know you started off playing small clubs and pubs around australia You've since grown to be one of the most successful rock acts to come, you know, out of the entire country. Um, you've toured the states on the the Warp Tour and Blink One Eighty Two, and whatnot. Do you still have fun? You know, or do you, you enjoy kind of getting back to roots, playing clubs like the Fillmore and the Slims, as opposed to giant amphitheaters and you know stadiums, things like that? Yeah, well, we don't do um, big stadiums, you know, that much. We um we did a, our first kind of stadium tour of Australia this year um, in May, I think it was, um, and they were the we did five sort of show, five or six shows, and they were the biggest capacity venues we've done. But then recently we went back and did like seven weeks around Australia where we played like little clubs, but we did you know seven weeks worth. It was a lot of gigs. And um, so you enjoy playing like the smaller clubs as opposed to stadiums? Mm. And well. Uh, Depends on it, the day, really. Depends on the day. <laughs> You're right. You, it could be um, you could play in front of fifty thousand people and have an absolute ball tearing gig, or an absolute crappy gig where you you come off stage depressed. But I think in general the the small stages suit us because I think I think we um, have there's an energy I think on stage when we're that close together you kind of feed off each other a little bit more than if it's, you know, one of those giant stages where you can barely see one another. So I think I think we play better on a small stage. Especially when the audience is right there and you feed off... We kind of feed off them as well, you know. We've got a, a pretty um, a, a kind of... It's a very interactive kind of gig that we do with the audience, you know. We like them to kind of go up and down with the music. And... Um, <laughs> And uh, if if they're right there, oh, they're right on. in your face. It, it's so much easier to kind of gauge how it's how it's all right, connecting and right stuff. Right in your face, going up and down. Right. With the music. <laughs> You've got a filthy mind, Andy Strachan. 
Sorry. <laughs> I apologise. Yeah, see, so like those those, <laughs> those big um, supports we did for, for Blink and No Doubt and The Offspring and all that, it's hard to connect to an audience that A, is not yours and B, is like back behind this punter barrier that's, you know, 20 feet away from the stage. It's kind of hard for us. We're more of a in-your-face, up-and-down kind of band. Cool. Cool, cool. Well, any final thoughts or... Uh comments on anything yeah i was gonna say is there a really good coffee shop locally oh, oh absolutely god. in san francisco absolutely okay <laughs> oh we'll god god if you're listening folks andy just wants a good coffee that's all that's i want he wants in life yeah simple man simple pleasures well, i wouldn't say simple well no i didn't mean oh, simple <laughs> as in like drummer simple yeah <laughs> simple as in like you know um keep it simple stupid yeah yeah um, no i am pretty uh, simple, uncomplicated really. I'm pretty, yeah. Would you say I'm uncomplicated? I don't know, I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> no, no other thoughts, really. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for having us. And, and go out and buy the album if you haven't already. Yeah, we need, to, should. Keep, we need to keep coming back to America and touring, that, right? That the is the way point. we can do that is if we people can't, buy this album. Yeah, basically, we can't keep doing it the way we've been doing it or we'll go broke. So and, and you're right about like I'm one thing I'm proud about with this album is that even though the songwriting has progressed, I think we did get we captured an energy again that I think people hadn't heard perhaps since our first album. I don't know how we did that, you know, maybe Nick Lorne, whatever. We were very driven, very hungry to, to record an album that reminded people of what this band can kind of do. And I think that it's valid and it's fresh and that people that haven't heard of us before should definitely I'm doing the big sell here but I don't give a damn they should check it out because some of the we stuff that's on it. MTV and VH1 and stuff is, is really bland and boring and, the, and a lot of the kids are missing out on rock and roll it's, it's, uh, it's there to be heard mm. right on. word well, thanks guys Check out the new album, State of Emergency, from the Living End, online at tower.com or your local retailer. We